Good morning, Grace. Our scripture reading today is in the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. We're in Luke, chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for this story. What an amazing, amazing story. And the announcement of your birth to who would be the lowest of people in society. Lord, they are we. And so we are thankful. We are so thankful that, Lord, you would announce your coming to us. You would include us in your kingdom. Lord, what an amazing story. We're so thankful for you. Lord, we're thankful for this chance to be here with our brothers and sisters. And I ask that you would help us uh, pick each other up. Help us draw close to you during this time, Lord. Help us to focus on you. Lord, we ask that you would just be the central figure of the rest of this service and the rest of our day, Lord. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. About this time of year, certain traditions begin to take place that don't take place in any other time of year. It's the sending and the receiving of Christmas cards. I'm, I'm sure some of you have already received some of those, or maybe you've already sent those out. But yet, there's usually there is a theme of the Christmas card. And not every card carries the same thing, but usually there's a theme entitled peace. What is peace? Two artists were given a task. It was a competition, if you will, to see who could paint the most graphic picture 
that would highlight the term peace. Uh, one of the artists in his magnificent began to paint a sunset that was dynamic because it would capture your thoughts as you looked at it for all of the sun rays and all of the different colors that were there and you came to understand what peace might be. The other artist, on the other hand, Pete painted a very graphic and also a very dangerous picture. He painted a picture of a lighthouse that was being surrounded by a great storm. And you could envision the waves as they crashed against the base of this lighthouse. And you kind of wonder how in the world does that lighthouse even begin to stand. But what you needed to notice was something that he painted in the very bottom right-hand corner in a very succinct and a very, unfortunately, unnoticed place. There, in the midst of a cove of rocks, was a bird that had built a nest, and in it were eggs. And the bird was nothing more than in the midst of that storm was singing. The storm painting won the award. Because that is a description of what peace is, isn't it? That even in the midst of a storm, in the midst of trials, in the midst of a world that seems to be hurriedly going about its own destruction, there are peace moments. Maybe unnoticed by the rest of the world because we're sort of like in a, in a, in a very corner of a painting that Jesus has wonderfully put together in a tapestry. Peace. Well, this is the, the second week of Advent. The first week we looked at the candle of hope. And as we worked through that, we realized that, that hope in Christ takes us through these storms, doesn't he? And now this morning, it's the candle of peace. What's interesting about the candle of peace is it's also known as the shepherd's candle. Which, by the way, Luke chapter 2 with the shepherds is my favorite passage during the Christmas season. Because as Pastor Steve said, here we've got these individuals who are the lowest of society. No one regards them as being important whatsoever. But they were the ones who got to see the Messiah first. They were the ones that were invited by this heavenly choir. Oh, by the way, did you enjoy the hallelujah chorus? I'm glad you all caught it and you started to stand. That's what you're supposed to do. So next time these two wonderful ladies play that, I don't have to quiet you down. You just stand. But in the midst of that night, these shepherds going about their mundane life of watching sheep, they were the only ones who were given the heavenly choir. 
I don't know if you caught it or not, but suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. In other words, that wasn't two or three. I really believe that God emptied out the angelic force and came to this choir. I can't even begin to imagine what that must have sounded like. But it was sung to lowly shepherds. And they were the ones who got to see the Messiah first. They were granted that privilege. And, and it draws your attention very quickly to John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And here are these shepherds found what peace was all about. One of the things that I, I really enjoy about the Christmas season, and, and we have one in our home, I've had to dissect it a little bit because biblically it was not correct. It's called the manger scene. You know, the ones that are put together and all of a sudden they have wise men there. No, they weren't there. We'll get to that candle later on. But the shepherds, there with Mary and Joseph and Jesus, who is the Christ, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And you got to at least begin to consider the fact of how peaceful that must have been that night. Sure, there might have been a few sheep who were blatting, I guess. I don't know what sheep do. Cows who were lowing. That's, that's what the hymn, you know, away in the manger, that's what it said they're doing. But all in all, it was a peaceful time. Peace. This morning, I want to share with you four aspects of peace that come through Jesus Christ. The first one, in fact, is the most important. Because too often we view Christmas as nothing more than a baby in the manger. But I'm here to tell you it's much more than that. That's just the beginning. That's the wonder of it all. And yet it culminates later in the year of 2024, as we'll get there, it culminates to the cross of Christ where it was there that he literally took upon himself. This I can't even begin to imagine, and I hope you can, but it, it is the situation whereby Christ took upon himself the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future. And it was there that he paid the price whereby God was satisfied. That's a, big, that's a short word for propitiation. God was satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. And it's there that we have our first aspect of peace. I invite you very quickly to turn over a couple of books. If you're in Luke, just go to the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Just one verse capsulizes what I've just shared with you. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul has wonderfully, theologically, if you will, 
developed a theme. And the theme is God's forgiveness and his plan for it. In verses, chapters 1 all the way through to chapter, the end of chapter 4. And when he gets to chapter 5, he uses that wonderful word, therefore. Therefore. Therefore, seeing that we have been justified by faith, here it is, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that verse alone should at least ignite in your thinking that maybe, just maybe, none of us are perfect. Seeing that we needed to be justified highlights the fact that we were lost. And what separates us in that situation is our sin. Is our sin. And the only sinless one who could pay that price for our salvation, that we might become sons and daughters of the living God, was the one who was born as the Prince of Peace. I, I, in my many years of ministry, have not yet fully grasped that truth. And I doubt you have either. How is it that the love of God would be that dynamic that he would willingly come and take on himself the form of man and dwell among us so that there comes a time in his life that he will go to the cross and pay the price that we cannot pay? in order to give to us life. That's amazing to me. It's a candle of peace. There's some other instances I would like to draw your attention to that maybe highlight just a little bit an understanding of how this all works. You're in Romans. Go back to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Verses 26 to 30. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to verse 30. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. Now, the sixth month is referring to Mary's cousin Elizabeth. Six months prior to this, we'll get to this later, but six months prior to this, the angel of the Lord met Zechariah and told him that his wife was going to have a baby. Her name is Elizabeth. And so in her sixth month of carrying this child, it says, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee of Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and the kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. What's amazing about this account is how was it that Mary found favor with God? It's not told to us here in in this text But in other texts, we can conjecture that the reason she found favor with God is because of that wonderful word called faith. She believed. She believed that God was going to send the Messiah. I don't know if she was totally brought up under the teaching of the Old Testament, but as you go back to Isaiah chapter 53, as you go back to Isaiah chapter 60, and and you begin to read that, you come to realize that God's plan was to send Messiah, the Savior. But no one really knew when that was going to happen. They had information about it. They, had even, they, they even had, if you will, the location of where it was going to happen. Out of you, Bethlehem, the smallest of Euphrates will come forth, the king. But they still didn't know when. And so isn't that what faith is all about? We may not grasp everything, but maybe God is testing us with time. Mary said later on, and we didn't get to that portion of reading, but she said, let it be, let it happen to this person according to your words, faith. Now instantly, I, 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 trust, I trust, I hope, that all of a sudden you're catching this because it's faith, it's belief in what gives us peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus Christ, we're going 33 and a half years after, when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, his death was, if you will, sufficient for the whole world. But it is only effective for those who by faith will believe. And and, and in other words, it's not a universal, if you will, salvation. Though it can happen in the universe, but it's not a universe. Everybody all of a sudden becomes saved because Jesus died upon the cross. No. No. Can I at least draw your attention to 1 John 5, 11 through 13? You don't need to turn there. Look it up later. But John writes for us as he says, and this is the testimony of God. In other words, that's something you need to pay attention to because this is what God has promised. And you can take that to the bank with interest, by the way. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. 
and this life is in his son. In verse 12, he who has the son has life. He who has not the son of God has not life. These things, verse 13, these things I've written unto you that believe in the name of the son of God that you may know you can have eternal life and continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Faith. Faith is that dynamic that, that Mary had. Faith is that dynamic that Zacharias had. Because when you go to earlier in the chapter 1 of Luke, all of a sudden you see Zechariah getting caught up and wondering as he began chapter 1. He got kind of lost in this wonder. This can't be. My wife's too old and I'm too ugly. It ain't going to happen. But all of a sudden when he began to write the name of the son because he couldn't talk. He wrote John. And as soon as he wrote John, all of a sudden he started to speak. And when he spoke, he said, the son will be the forerunner of the one that is greater than him. Again, that is even also recorded for us in the Old Testament. That there would be a voice in the wilderness saying, Behold the Messiah. And then later on, as John and Jesus met, maybe for the first time, I don't know. But then John proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he's the one I told you about. I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. He's the one that you must have faith in. And in that, dear people, you have peace with God. And, and there's one more place. Oh my word, Lord have mercy. There's one more place. Remember Simeon from last week? Simeon, here he is ministering for all of these years in this temple. And we all have bucket lists. We, we all want things we, we'd like to accomplish in our lives. We had people in our congregation who, who the Lord blessed and let them go to Israel. And, and one of the things on my bucket list is just simply to fly into San Francisco Go to Alcatraz for the tour, come back to shore, and fly out. That's all I want to do. I don't know why. Call me crazy. But that building causes me to think and wonder, what really happened in there? Well, Simeon had a bucket list. And it was, Lord, before I die, let me see your Messiah. And, and you know the story because here the Holy Spirit worked it out where maybe Simeon, he had put in his eight hours. He's heading home for supper. But all of a sudden he turns around and comes back because he don't know it, but Mary and Joseph is coming in. And they're bringing this child. And as soon as he sees that child, he breaks out in this glorious praise. Now I can die in peace. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. 
Well, the first aspect of the, the peace candle, the shepherd's candle, is that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The second one is we can have peace with self. Peace with self. Well, what, Pastor Doug, what in the world are you talking about peace with self? I'm glad you asked that question. Because it's this. Is that sin separates us, if you will, from God. But sin also brings separation within our own being. What are you talking about? Well, we get conflicted, aren't we? We are conflicted. If you don't think people are conflicted, I challenge you to go to Walmart. <laughs> They're so conflicted, they forget to take their pajamas off before they get there. The world is conflicted. I really believe that what is, what is glorious about that is this. Is that there's this fighting, there's this anxiety, there's this anxiousness, isn't there, in our world. An anxiousness that, that cannot be swept away unless Christ comes into place. That doesn't guarantee us that we'll never have any concerns or any considerations of worries, if you will. But what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7? He said this, don't worry. Don't worry. And he gave illustrations. The birds, they don't have to sow fields to reap grain. God provides that for them. Foxes have no homes. They just find a craft, if you will, in a rock, and that's God provides that for them. The lilies of the field, in all of their splendor, are not even to be compared to the glory of God's kingdom. And so Jesus says, don't worry. <laughs> Paul takes it a little bit if you will, a little bit longer than that. For he says, be anxious in what, everybody? Nothing. But through prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace candle, the shepherd candle, brings peace. Is, isn't that what the, the angel said? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace. Now, we'll, we'll get to that closing one, but I, I know we don't live in a peaceful world right now. I, 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 I got that. I understand that. But in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the waves that are hitting against your lighthouse, be that bird. Be that bird. Be satisfied. Realize 
that within yourself, Christ holds us in the palm of his hand. And no one can pluck us from it. We have a peace, as Paul says, that passes all understanding. <laughs> that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace with self. And we have a spiritual battle going on in us, I know. Some of you are a little bit older than me, but I'm older than a lot of you. And we've had, I understand, spiritual battles. Because the forces of darkness don't want us to be released from our past, does he? He wants to chain us to that. Oh, you call yourself a Christian and you did this? You know what our first reaction should be? Yes, I did that. But Christ has set me free. I've been set free. I have the peace of God through Christ Jesus. I have a peace that can't be explained because it comes through Christ Jesus. So I can have a peace with self, understanding that Christ loves me and gave himself for me. There can be no greater story than that, no greater account than that. It's the truth that's based upon the one who wants us to know these things. Well, we have peace with God, peace with self. But we can have a peace with others. When the Apostle Paul began to write concerning the church, there was a struggle that was going on in the scriptures concerning the fact of it is, is that there was a strife between Jew and Gentile. How can they both be interactive into this thing called the church, the body of Christ? And Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 that Christ has broken down the wall of hostility so that we can be at peace with one another. Aren't you glad this morning that one of, one of the reasons you're here, obviously you're here because of a handsome pastor before you. No, the, the reason you're here is because there's been a peace that's given to you. And all of a sudden that peace, if you will, begins to emanate in the hearts and lives of those around you so that you love to be with them. You, you enjoy the company of the family of God. Why? Because a wall has been taken down. None of you are exactly the same. You didn't all come from the same, if you will, roots. Or as you say down here, ruts. It's roof up in New York. It's roots up in New York. We don't all come from the same pattern, do we? And in fact, I would guarantee you that all of you, by the way, have come a different path to Christ. 
Some of you were introduced by, to Christ by your parents in your bedroom. It was there that you understood the fact of it is, is that you needed to have a Savior. Some of you were introduced to Christ, whether through a friend who was witnessing to you, and there were times when you said, ah, get away from me, I don't want anything to do with that. But then you begin to realize that that's what you need. Some of you were introduced to Christ maybe through an evangelism event or something like that. But in either case, the glory of it is this, is that the wall has been broken down. No longer is there a wall between you and God, but there's also no more walls between personalities. We've all been saved. The same way. Isn't that what Jesus said? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's, that's very exclusive, by the way. Like I said, it is available for the whole world. But it's only effective for those who will believe. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with ourselves through Lord Jesus Christ. We stand, we can look in the mirror and say, I am a child of God. And he's fashioned me the way that he's determined me to be. And I can relish in that. And I can glory in that. And then we have peace with others. With others. It is so much fun. And, and when I experienced this yesterday. It's so much fun to walk through a crowded Walmart and have a smile on your face when everyone else is grabbing and going. Why are you in a hurry? We're amongst people. And God has broken down the wall that separates us. And that wonderful wall is torn down that cultures, opposite cultures, can understand the same gospel. Aren't you glad that the gospel by which we hold is also translated in the languages of many other communities? Why? It's because God so loved the world. That's the dynamic. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. All we are, dear people, are sinners who have been saved by grace. Someone help me with an amen this morning. That's all we are. And when we finally grasp that, then we can be at peace with ourselves and with others. With others. But there's one more. It's what the angel said in Luke chapter 2. Peace on earth. That's the finality of it, by the way. You see, Jesus Christ not only was born in a manger, as Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, for in, this, in the dueness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption of sons. Uh, that's obviously the beginning but I encourage you sometime, go and read the last two chapters of the last book 
in the New Testament. Chapter 20 and 21 of the book of the Revelation. Described for us in a way of Isaiah chapter 60. Where it talks about a lamb will lay down next to a lion. Where even the lion itself is going to eat grass like a cow. There's no more hostility. Do we have that now? No. By any sort of the matter, no, we don't. We don't have that now. But there is going to be a day. Oh, someone help me, help me preach this. There's going to be a day when peace will rule the world. You want to know why it is? Because Isaiah chapter 9 tells us his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Last one, help me. Prince of Peace. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. None. I, I can't even begin to imagine the fulfillment of Revelation 20 and 21. I just believe it to be true. That Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne. That all of the world is going to come and worship him. And then someone tried to help me out by describing for me the size of the city. Do you realize that just one city, Jerusalem, where Christ is going to reign, Jerusalem is going to be that big that the size of it ranges from the east coast to the Mississippi River, but it also is that big high. There's not an engineer in this congregation that can figure that out. But I hold it to be true because you know why? Because God's going to say, let it be. And it's going to be. And there will be peace on this earth in a fashion that we can't even begin to imagine. But that's where faith comes in, doesn't it? And time. While we wait... While we wait, our faith is being developed year after year, moment after moment, month, day after day, week after week. Our faith is being massaged and worked, preparing us for time of when all will be fulfilled. All will be fulfilled. Let me close this morning if I may by asking some some pretty pointed questions I'm not looking for you to you know shout out the answer to them but maybe consider them in your heart and it's this in Colossians 1 and verse 19 and 20 excuse me Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For, it was ple- for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
our ending takes us back to the beginning. For now, we are focused upon the ultimate fact of the birth of Christ. And that is, he will go to a cross. He's not just a baby gurgling in a manger. He will be our sacrifice, bleeding from the cross. And so my questions to you are this. Do you have peace with God? A peace that is only, if you will, available through a forgiveness by grace through faith and trusting in Christ and Christ alone for the penalty that he paid, that you can apply that to your life. In other words, I'm asking you, are you born again? Not born of the flesh. I'm talking about born of the spirit as Jesus explained that to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Let me make it even easier for you. Have you asked Jesus to be your savior? And that is the testimony of God. That he who has the son has life. And the second question I pose to you. Do you have peace with yourself this morning? Many of you have commented on my tie and now it's shifted over. But here it is. It's a snowman. One, one wonderful saint told me she doesn't want this to happen. No snow. She said, if it snows, I'm not coming. And I told her, hey, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But do we have peace with ourselves? Like, guess what? And I say this with all grace. I really don't care if you don't like my tie. <laughs> I like it. Next week, it's going to be a Looney Tune tie. That sort of fits me as a personality. I'm sort of loony. And then I start wearing children's ties that were designed by children. I'm okay with that. I know I look in the mirror and the mirror gives me a reflection that, that quite frankly has changed over the years. Can you believe it that I used to be a Mr. Universe? <laughs> no, no I, I, never, I never was. I never, I never was. I never was. But my freshman year in high school, I wrestled 98 pounds. I, I did. I was this runt of a thing. Now I'm just a large runt. And I'm okay with that because guess what? In Christ, I'm a child of God. And that's wonderful. And what he doesn't like about me, guess what? He's going to change it. Because I'm going to be fashioned as he is. John says that. For we shall see him as he is. And he's going to change us. This mortal is going to put on immortality. Oh, I can't wait to see what that's going to look like. Some of you with no hair are going to have hair. Wonderful. Are you at peace? 
with others. Oh, that's difficult, isn't it? We have these conflicts in our lives. And sometimes it's just best to let it ride. But in Christ, those conflicts don't need to be. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I really hate decorating for Christmas. I love everything about it. I hate decorating. I want it done now. Now, get it done. And wonderfully, you know, the decorations that are up there are not my idea. Those are my lovely wife's. And I'm trying to move her along, and she looked at me in a wonderful gaze that, men, you know what that gaze is. <laughs> she says, honey, you are pushing me too fast. I had to apologize for that. And I did. Honey, I'm sorry. I'll try. But that's not just the only conflict. You have conflict with co-workers, don't we? We have conflict with neighbors, don't we? And if I can even bring it here, we have conflict with individuals who are even seated here. In Christ, the wall has been broken down. And we can be at peace. And lastly, Obviously, I trust you're all waiting for and hoping for that day when Jesus is going to sit on the throne and all of a sudden there'll be peace on earth. I can't wait for that. can't wait for that. So the candle. The second candle of the second Advent Sunday in December reminds us of peace. Peace that passes all understanding. A peace with God. A peace of God. A peace with self. A peace with others. And a coming great day of peace. Let us pray. Oh Lord God. So many questions that still need to be answered, and yet you're asking us in your word to trust. So many issues of life have garnered our attention, and it has fogged us from the reality that you came to bring peace. Lord, I ask that if there be anyone here this morning who would have questions about the situation, do I really have peace with God? I pray that they would seek myself or Pastor Steve or, or one of the elders in the church, maybe the one they're sitting next to, and just saying, can you help me understand how I may have peace with God. If there are others here that are struggling with themselves, I pray, Lord, that you would whisper to them in the finite voice of the Holy Spirit, 
and tell them, my child, you belong to me. Or maybe we have conflicts. Lord, give us the courage, the patience to come about and settle in a peaceful way. And we're looking forward to that day and night when you will come and reign in peace, for you are the Prince of Peace. But until that day, may everything that we say and do be for your glory and for your honor. And we'll be careful to praise you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. Amen.